I'm Laura. And I'm Georgiana. And this is Decanterbury Tales. Hello. Hello. Oh, Jinx. You owe me a soda. What? Hi. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Georgiana. Hello, Georgiana. You gotta say my name. If you jinx me, I can't speak until you say my name. Oh, I've never heard that before. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's why it's like, uh, do you remember the movie Passport to Paris, Mary-Kate and Ashley? Yes, but it's been 20 years. Malison, Ballison, Eleni, Selene. That's not the right thing, but it's a thing from that movie. I'm going to have to, y'all, we're going to have to release just that one little section of the recording as a video because I'm like, what? I, I, my face is so concerned. I was like, why? What's wrong? No, I couldn't. I was like, like, did I forget something? (laughs) No. All right. Well, what a great way to start. Welcome to Decanterbury Tales, Boozy Book Club podcast where we read books and drink wine. <laughs> and Laura and I changed it up this month. She picked we the book did. and I picked the wine. We pulled a switcheroo for y'all to close out. We are one ep- well, one and a half episodes away from the end of our second season. So, you know, we're just gonna pull a little, little switcheroo. Yes. Um, but speaking of episodes, um, I hope y'all enjoyed our uh, October episode, Harry Potter. And one of my friends uh, listened to the episode and- Shout out Pal of the Pod. Yes, Ellie, good job. Uh, she came up with a really good uh, magical item for the home. Like, you know, Miss Weasley's pan washing. Hers yes. is genius. And I think every single woman on the planet would say thank you and probably male. It is some spell that magically cleans up all of your hair and you never have to see it. The hair in the drain, the hair on the floor, the hair everywhere. Cause like, I don't know about you, but I shed everywhere. I'm a crazy person. I shed like a Irish wolfhound. <laughs> Just and is it? It may have been. I don't know who said this, but it was in a comedy stand-up. It probably was Eliza that like, or no, is an Instagram meme. Like, you know, you're dating someone when their hair is everywhere. You've got like hair in your food, hair in your butt cheeks. You got hair everywhere. <laughs> You've got all of their hair. And I do not clean the drains. And um that's Alex's job and he pulls out my hair to show me how nasty <laughs> this is I am. you yeah are you ready for my uh my shark tank idea yeah it's uh it's about a decade old now uh but it is relevant I promise uh it came up with it forever ago on a friend Kelly's back porch we were like just you know goofing off and have a glass of wine and you know those magnetic games that like you have like a person's face, it's usually a man, and then you use the magnetic thingy and it makes like hair and a mustache and a beard, you can do that. Mm -hmm. That, but suction cups 
for your shower wall and you take your hair that you like as you're washing your hair and then you just you give your little willy i think his name is something willy but you like give him little out like hair and beard and mustache with the hair from your dream so so you use hair creativity we just want to ellie just wants to get rid of hair it's just gone. I, I'm thinking of just, you know, an option and also to like be set for life, you know, patent pending shower Sam or something. And you can give him outfits and we could just be really great about that and we could retire. So, you know, that, that works too. So shout out to Kelly and Ellie for the ideas. Oh, nice. Nice. But yes, I agree. That would be an excellent magical objects. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of recaps from our last episode, um, it was on Halloween and we, I didn't know if our team had won the costume contest when we did our stranger things for work and we did. Well, congratulations. So, so everyone knows we got our trophy and a $50 gift card and we were very proud. Our team is very competitive. So just want everyone to know we did win and it was awesome. So, so there's that. Oh my goodness. Anyway, how has your month been? The last time we spoke on the pod, it was literally Halloween. So what have you been doing since then? We had Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was very quiet, except we woke up to no power on Thanksgiving morning. And so my dad was in town and we sent him to the grocery store and was like, get cheese, get crackers, get like, if you can find a chicken that's already cooked, you know, the rotisserie ones, get it, whatever situation. Yeah. Just do what we have to do. And, um, luckily like the energy people came out and fixed it like three or four hours later. So we just pushed it back. But yeah, that was a little bit, uh, scary in the beginning, not having power on Thanksgiving to cook a turkey. And I called one of my friends who was, test run. Was, well, I had a friend that was out of town and I was like, can I use y'all's kitchen? And, oh, uh, nice. and they were like, yeah, but you're going to have to break into the house and like go through the window and climb through and then get in. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get arrested on Thanksgiving for breaking into somebody's home. It's okay. Um, officer. They told me it was fine. Yes. I was going to be like, well, Maggie, you have to be on speakerphone while I'm climbing through your window. The people know it's okay. That I'm Officer, doing. this is their home. I promise. I promise the people on the phone are the people that own this home. But yeah, so that was my Thanksgiving. Ended up being great, but just, you know, a little stress to start the day. Well, fire drill, fire drill. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, my November has actually been pretty eventful. I got a job. I am now working at the College of Charleston, which is really exciting. And um, as much as I loved my hospitality gig, uh, this job is Monday through Friday, 830 to 430. And that will go round. And then another important thing that happened, we got a puppy. Yay! And so check out our Instagram for a picture of my new baby girl. Her name is Phoebe Buffet after yes. and um, she is a Mastiff hound mix. So she's so big. She's going to be a big girl. And um, all right. We like big girls. Ask Lizzo. 
Yeah, we we call her a thick bitch. She's got tempo. Nice. That's pretty much her theme song. And um, no, but that's been fun. You know, we haven't had a dog since Gatsby. And so it was time. And I forgot how loved you feel once you get an animal. Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10, constant love and affection. Yeah, I'm pretty sure our Instagram would explode if we put Chicken Nugget and Phoebe in a picture together. I don't think the world could handle that. I don't think so. I don't, I have learned he wasn't 100% on his first encounter with a dog, Mm. but um, I think it is also because he had a cone and it was, the dog came at him. It was my mom's little teacup Yorkie. So they're like the exact same size, but like the dog came like running down the hallway at him and he was like trapped against like the wall and a closed door and had a cone on. So there was a lot going on. He was not happy, um, not excited, very scared. But I think a lot of it just had to do with like, what is that? <laughs> so yeah, uh, Peabody is not good at meeting people, meeting new friends. Apparently he just charges straight at them, regardless of if they want him to or not. So he gets a negative one point for that, <laughs> but it helps that he's always wearing clothes. So he's a very well-dressed pooch. I would... I really want Phoebe to not wear clothes, not wear like sweaters or anything like that. Like I want her in actual like outfits because nobody puts a big pooch in outfits. It's mostly the little dogs that get dressed. In like a dress and like a little, uh, I saw this thing. It made me want a teacup creature very badly. Uh, It was someone walking a, like a Boston or uh, it was one of those where it has a smush face. Boston have Boston's have long legs though. It was one of the terriers with a smush face, but it was small. Okay. Frenchie, it was a Frenchie, so freaking cute. Um, and it was wearing an Adidas track suit. It was pants and the jacket. And you know how I feel about those. I love them so much. I don't own one yet, but I will soon. Um, but it was wearing an Adidas track suit that matched the Adidas tracksuit of its owner and it was everything and that is what I aspire to in life (laughs) yeah that's pretty dang fabulous if I've ever heard of anything that's pretty dang fabulous now speaking of fabulous I think I forgot probably the other top three most exciting thing that happened to me this month and to you this month yes you don't know what the most exciting thing that happened to us this month is? I don't know. A lot of exciting things happened to us on the regular. I have three things I want to talk about the podcast, so I don't know. We're going to Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That one, that thing. Yes. We're doing that thing. Uh, yes. If you follow, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, you will see uh, at La La Toontown, you will see the eight hour nightmare unfold before your eyes in 30 seconds or less of me attempting to get pre-sale tickets. So that was horrible. Uh, but Georgiana is a goddess and able to just call some people. So we are going Nashville, Tennessee. We're excited. You know. Yeah. Laura's already got her outfit planned. I've got to get my outfit planned. The hot pink fringe mini dress. She's ready. Everything. Everything. She set the tone of what my outfit needs to be. And 
I'm not quite there yet, but online shopping will ensue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a little anticlimactic because Laura did not know what the most exciting thing that happened to us this month was. There were a lot of exciting things. <laughs> but um, So what are your exciting things? So the other one is that stay tuned for later this month. I think like next week after we release this episode, we're releasing a mini-sode that we did manage to get Deanna Rayborn and we are interviewing her. So stay tuned for a mini-sode of our interview with Deanna Rayborn, the author of Killers of a Certain Age. So that's super exciting. Uh, the other one is that we are gonna have another live in-person appearance. So that is exciting. Uh, mark your calendars. The 34th annual Natchez Literary and Cinema Celebration will be February 23rd and 24th of 2023 at the Natchez Convention Center. So we will be there and you should be there too. And we're really pumped. We're going to have our own little booth. And then we're also heading to a lot of their events that are that weekend. So super stoked. There's like a fashion show and all such stuff. So really pumped. It's like right up our alley. I'm excited. And uh, I'm super excited. We're going to have to get the fits together for that too. I know. Look, we have to coordinate. And then what else was there? There was something else I wanted to talk about. Oh, also <laughs> market calendars, book banter with Blue Cypress Books uh, this month, December. Uh, join us online live to, I think we're gonna recap our favorite books of the year. Mm -hmm. And that's gonna be on the 22nd of December, TBD on time. So yes. mark your calendars. And then- But we'll uh, be guesting, that's exciting. I know, we've never guested before. Never guested, we're always having guests. And then we wanted to shout you lovely people out because we got our Spotify. Uh, our Spotify ratings for podcasters. Yes. So hold on just one second while I share this information. Oh my gosh. Is it on my other hold, please? Um, so it's on Laura's other phone, the one that she was videoing herself with. So now she has to multitasking and I've got a really lovely angle on her face uh, I just stuck out my tongue at her in this very very ugly uh angle all right to Canterbury Tales the podcast we created 1084 minutes of new content which is more than 95 percent of other creators in the arts category so for those of you that are avid fans and listeners, which we'll talk about you in just a second on the Spotify wrapped, um, we make more content than 95% of other creators on Spotify that make podcasts. So that's 100% for you. That was one of our goals for this year. So super stoked that we are doing it. Rah, rah, re. Uh, our most listened to episode of the year so far is Pretty Fly for a Mai Tai. In July of 2022, that was our episode where we covered um, on honeymooners, on honeymooners, which was a super fun one. But it had 105 percent more streams than our average episode, so we that was wild. And we had 110 percent more listeners compared to our average week during September 18th and September 14th, which I believe that was kind of following the um, book festival and we had a lot of new content coming out that week. So super, we increased 110%. 
and our listeners' podcast personality. You guys are the enthusiasts. So we love y'all for that. Your listeners, so the Decanterbury Tales, the podcast listeners, are super fans. When their favorite podcast release and new episodes, they're among the first to know, going above and beyond to show their support, which is incredible, you guys. Thank you so much for that. You guys know that we appreciate every moment that you spend listening to us. Um, And then we had a lot of games this year. So four quick numbers. I am a sucker for good metrics. So we created over last year. So in 2022, uh, we started the podcast in 2021. In 2022, we created 841% more hours. We did 750% more streams. Three, 388% more followers and 383% more listeners on Spotify. So y'all like, that's incredible. We say it all the time. We share it. We shout from the rooftops how much we appreciate you guys. Um, and that's just an incredible amount of growth for us in our second year. We are completely independent. We do everything ourselves. So to be able to produce that for you guys and have something that clearly you guys find some value and meaning and thank you guys for being pals of the pod because we can't do it without you. So thank you. I mean, we could do it, but that would be really boring. That would be like Laura and I on the phone. Yeah. And that's, yeah, no. We already talked so much better. We already (laughs) talked on the phone. This just makes it a thousand times better. And um, so thank y'all and keep listening and keep sharing because we love doing this and uh, y'all are the reason we do it. And the really good reason. Yeah. So thank you guys. Thanks to the pals of the pod for making 2022 a record year. Let's do it again. Season three starts January of 2023. That's fun. We can give you our December book and our January book at the end of this episode because we already know. We already know. This has been the year of working ahead. And And um, I just did a dance move. Um, But yeah, you guys, thank you so much. So stay tuned to the end of the episode and we will let you guys know our December book and our January book for next year. So you can work ahead too. knock out your TBR or start a brand new TBR or dash into 2023 with us. I don't know about you, but my TBR is going to be enormous starting the year. My TBR is ridiculous. I had to buy a new bookshelf and a book cart. Let's not talk about it. What are you reading, watching, and listening to? Uh, I am between books presently because I was going to just go ahead. I was going to start something and then realize that I was going to go pick up, um, glad my mom died. So I was like, let me not start something and then stop to start something else. We did just finish Court of the Vampire Queen last month. Um, and there is something that I am... This is, I am admonishing all of book Instagram, bookstagram and book talk because they were highly recommending Court of the Vampire Queen. And don't get me wrong. I also am recommending Court of the Vampire Queen, but no one, no one was like putting those chili pepper emojis. I was like, I like vampires. I read Twilight. I'm going to read this book and then picked it up and was like, oh, 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 like there's like, if there's a ghost pepper emoji, that's the emoji we need behind this. So all of you 
need to maybe disclose a number. We need like a chili pepper emoji scale because that was not something you should read on a road trip with your family. Yeah, that's Laura's <laughs> text to me was we have a female orgasm on page six. I'm like, no, four, page, page four. four, page four is the female orgasm. You know, that's you just, a record. You jump. I was like, we are. Whew. I was like, this set a tone and it maintained the tone the entire time. <laughs> Man, it's like 50 shades me Twilight. someone else. I have referred, given my copy to a friend and she is currently reading it. She goes, I read, I sat down to read a couple pages and then was seven chapters in. I was like, yep, it sucked you in, huh? She's like, yes, yes, it did. So uh, I am, that being said, I am going to be reading, uh, glad my mom died, watching. I watched a lot of movies. That's I'm nice. so proud of me. Shout out at B&B theaters. Uh, I went to our local theater and we went and saw Wakanda Forever. Then on another day, we pulled a double feature and we went and saw Strange World, the new Disney movie. And then we went to dinner and then came back to the theater and we watched the menu. And so Wakanda Forever was very good. Um, some people were saying it was better than the original Black Panther. I don't know how I feel about that. It's just, it was very different. Than what I was expecting there are some of the I know that it was very comic book heavy like the lead villain and all of that he just seemed a little silly to me but very comic book uh I did love the storyline I'm trying not to spoil anything but loved the storyline I love this dawn of the Black Panther kind of feeling that we're getting which is exciting to see in the trajectory of superhero movies um this book, this movie, Wakanda Forever is absolutely how to handle grief. Mm, the 90 10 out of 10. The you like your characters, the actors, and the audience, like everyone. I mean, chat, they're all we're all mourning Chadwick, obviously. Okay. And it really tackled that head on in a very visceral way. So it handled grief very well. Uh Strange World by Disney. Me, me. And like, I'm such a huge Disney fan. I was really hoping that it was like, woo, but it was really just me. Kids will like it. That means a lot coming from you because you like will get on board with anything Disney because it's Disney. Yeah, I just, I thought it was good. It just like, I know that it tried a lot in representation. We have a um, mixed race queer teenager as the lead character so like that's tackling a lot right there in a kid's movie they do it very well very tactfully um it's not the main focus of the movie it's just kind of trickled in there and I think the way that they did that was very creative storytelling but in terms of the actual movie it's just kind of like oh okay that's that was cool I'm not gonna watch it again like I've seen Ratatouille like 50 times I will watch Ratatouille again I will watch Emperor's New Groove every day of my life if I could. But I just like this movie, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Bye. Like, just not about it. Uh, the menu is like critically acclaimed right now. It's a dark comedy horror. Hilarious. If okay. you have worked in the hospitality industry in any way, shape, or form, you will 
cackle, cackle, because like, and this doesn't ruin anything. There's like a port, it's obviously like, it's a fancy, it's a spoof on like foodie culture, but there's a section where the girl puts the food down on the table and the guy is clearly upset and he's like, what is this? And she goes, and she looks at it and she goes, it's a tortilla. And he's like, well, obviously it's a tortilla. She goes, mmm, tortilla delicioso. And then she's just like delivering that like customer service that's expected of you when a customer's like yelling at you. And it's the way she does it. Mmm, tortilla delicioso. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It carries that with you. So very fun. I enjoyed that movie a lot. I did not think, for those of you, because the, the description of the movie, the first three sentences that are in the movie, this is not a spoiler, but I know some people didn't want to see it because of the first three sentences that they released to describe the movie makes it seem like they're eating people. They're not eating people. People are not on the menu. So for those of you that, so go see it. It's really good. Um, and then what else was I watching? I'm watching some TV shows, but isn't, um, listening to i am also I'm, i can see your notes i didn't type my notes in here i am also listening to midnights by taylor swift on repeat repeat yeah um i'm also listening to a ton of christmas music right now uh just really enjoying that and obviously wine and crime is one of my go-to podcasts you know wine and crime that's messed up and i've also been listening to who was new? There's someone new on my rotation that I don't remember. I'll remember the second we stop recording or halfway through when you're talking and I'm not listening, then I'll be like, <gasps> my brain will like tinkle off and remember. What are you reading, watching and listening to? So reading, I am reading Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. It is one of uh, Reese's book club picks that is from long ago and I've always wanted to read it and haven't and I got it on sale. So here we are reading. On your awesome um, book haul? In my awesome book haul. Right on. I'm very jealous. It was like three bucks. Sorry, Gail. I feel like, but it's like ripped. So I feel like a lot of people, like somebody really enjoyed this book. So really enjoying that really early on in the book, but it's going good. So watching, there's a lot going on in the television world right now. And I really is, I would like to throw out into the world that I am an avid Jeopardy fan. Check out our reel. I watch Jeopardy every day. Oh yeah. Your, your absolutely viral reel that blew up on Instagram. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you for getting that question right. And, uh, but Chris Panulo is a 17 day champion and he has made over $600,000 in Jeopardy. Now I'm not caught up. I'm like three days behind. So he may lose, he may have more money, but as of where I am now, that's what he's got. Holy hell in a handbasket, congrats to him. And like, he's come from behind, putting it all on the daily double true daily and you know that's like fun for us watchers so thank you Chris Panulo I am watching Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO which everybody like 
even pause this episode and go watch Sex Lives of College Girls. It's on season two. It is the funniest shit on the planet. It's created by Mindy Kaling and it's just genius. So go laugh. And then Criminal Minds Evolution. Okay, I haven't started it yet, but I was like a huge criminal, still am huge, OG, original recipe, Criminal Minds fan. So is it, you've started it? I've started it. There's only two episodes, but, you know, we've got um, Emily Prentice back. We've got David Rossi back. We've got JJ. We've got um, Penelope. We've got... uh, uh Aisha Taylor's character um I remember her name but not her character's name I'm and not gonna then, remember right now and then Adam Rodriguez his character too is back so I'm just saying we've got a bunch of our people back and I'm just happy that Criminal Minds is happening and I'm not giving anything away but it it looks like different crimes from across the country are going to kind of be pulled together, okay. which is cool. So it's like serial, but it's not just like one case. It seems like it seems like it's going to have a big overarching theme, which is always nice. So you know how long it's been off air? I can't remember. Like, I want to say a decade. Yeah, like I was going to say, it's like 10 years. It's been a while. Maybe a little less than 10, but no, I, I'm lying. Let me see. But like, are we going <laughs> to, let's check the receipts. I don't know, what else? Oh, we have a new Santa this year. I know oh, you've been, exciting. um, fantasy, you've been like enjoying the fantasy of Santa. I totally lied. Criminal Minds has only been off air for uh, two years. <laughs> oh, it's felt like 10. You know, it has felt like 10. It might have been two, but it has felt like 10. If Matthew Gray Gubbler comes back. I will cry. We, I will cry. we will have to uh, have like a watch party on our Facebook that we keep forgetting that we have. Yeah. um p.s we deleted our twitter so don't follow us on twitter everyone was making a mass exodus and it was super trendy and i have feelings about elon musk but it was mostly just because we hate twitter so <laughs> we just hate twitter as a platform already so it just gave us a really awesome excuse to get off of it <laughs> which i could get on the on the soapbox about twitter and all of that but honestly like there are other things we could be upset about and I'm going to go be upset about those things and not Twitter. So, and, you know, I feel like we've gotten on a top couple of tangents on this uh, episode already. So we're going like, to central. <laughs> yeah. We're going to reel it in. Um, so as you know, our November book was killers of a certain age by Deanna Rayborn. And like we said, we kind of flipped the switch and Laura picked this book. So why did you pick the book, Laura? Oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna skip to wine. Oh, you just want to know already why I picked the book, period? Yeah. Okay, so I picked this book one because while I was reading it, I just kept thinking about how much of a fun concept the idea of this book is. Um 
and we had just come off of reading remarkably bright creatures earlier this season and I was like honestly I just loved that age range and this kind of older demographic I enjoyed the way it was written I thought the jump back and forth between present day and their past and like you get bits and pieces of their life before you know and when they were younger versus now that they're older and I just enjoyed that whole concept and how fun of an idea that is to be like yeah assassins have to get older and what happens to them when they get older like what do you do with them what do you do with retired assassin ladies and so then I kept thinking about like the cast of the golden girls but assassins and that just brought me joy and like I imagine um shoot of course I'm blanking on her name right now the one that's like kind of a flirt Blanche yes I well and then I was like the character in the book I was like I could definitely see like the Blanche character but you know how I could see playing it Hmm. Dolly Parton oh I like that right I was like oh yes perfect so that's my dream cast right there I'll just Dolly Parton and uh everyone else can filter in probably (laughs) put a little Jamie Lee Curtis in there um so you're talking about Natalie yes thank you you're welcome thank you but yeah so I picked it honestly because I thought it was an interesting point of view it was an interesting story and I just thought it was a genuinely just like enjoyable plot that wasn't difficult to follow. It was a very quick read. Yeah, it was an easy read. And I, I do think it's interesting that Tova was kind of your inspiration for picking that because, you know, we do try to change it up on our representations of different uh, demographics. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I kind of like being on this older lady train. Also, shout out to our, that's also just kind of an ode to our listeners. We've had a, a, a pick, an uptick of uh, just an, like, a, I don't want to say old them, an older generation demographic than our typical listeners. We have typically had the 25 to 35 range and that, uh, you know, 50 and over range, we've increased our listenership in that category. And sometimes I know it's difficult as people talk about that in acting is that, you know, not finding themselves portrayed in the media. And I thought this was just like a nice book to like shout out also to our amazing listeners that like, here you are as like the lead characters of a book and you're badass. It's like, you are kicking some butt. And so I just thought that was very interesting. And I loved how each of the ladies could have their own trick of the trade of how they killed people. Yes. I just thought that was so cool and sassy. Um, But so that kind of leads into the wine I picked and it's called Tooth and Nail Wine Company is the creator. And our wine for the month is Tooth and Nail, the 2020 Cabernet Sauvignon. And so about this winery, it was founded by grower Rob Murray. The uh, Tooth and Nail Wine Company followed a path of true grit and determination to find success in Paso, a tough place to grow grapes and make wine. 
Rather than battle nature, we bottled it in fighting tooth and nail to create wines we could be proud of. Wines that embrace the elements in pursuit of excellence. Wines for people who simply love wines. I can get and behind so, that. And so this uh, specific line that they had within Tooth and Nail is called the Squad Series. And Shut up. That's perfect. Yes. And so it's um, also... Uh, appropriate because we've been talking about how much we love our followers they made this squad series in admiration for those who inspire us most our loyal followers and so then on the bottle it says scars on our hands pains in our bodies we press on and so everything about this wine just really felt on point with where we are as a podcast but this book specifically these women you know their job was to fight tooth and nail think about the scene on the plane where things are not going the way that they're yeah, right when we go. open right the beginning of the book and then them finding out that they're going to be killed on a on a boat and then they awesome. and then they float on a little uh like dinghy, raft. Boat. dinghy. yeah raft and then, you know, New Orleans and England, like, holy heck, they just keep going, keep fighting. And so they, keep, they do their duty and they should be honored for that duty that they have performed and done. But then they have to fight tooth and nail for their lives after they've already fought tooth and nail as their careers. So thought that was pretty fitting. Um, so some tasting notes about this lovely lady. Uh, the aromas are fresh black raspberry, cherry, and blue fruit. The grapes are Cabernet Sauvignon. Flavors are rich and energetic creme de cassis, blueberry, and raspberry. The texture is rich and luxurious, balanced with ample structure. It was aged for 10 months in French oak barrels. And oh my was, gosh, this is making me thirsty. And it was 25% new oak. Um, it is sustainable, sustainably grown. So not only is it delicious, it's good for the environment or not bad mm -hmm. for it. And um, I'm going to let y'all know, she does not need to breathe. I... Suffocator. <laughs> I opened the bottle. I poured a little bit to taste it, waited a little bit it again equally delicious every time doesn't need it um nice. i had it with just my casual dinner you know where i make a protein and some vegetables in a bowl and it was a fabulous sip so i don't even think you need to specifically pair it with anything for a meal it's just like you're good i get off of work i'm making dinner here's my glass of wine wine and yeah. So highly recommend wine enthusiasts also highly recommends. It was one of their editor's choice wines. And on the website, it retails for $26 a bottle, but I got it at the grocery store for $19. So oh, love a deal. Go on that hunt. And it is 14.5% ABV. You're going to kick you in the teeth. So yeah, tooth and nail. Nice. Really good. Love it. All right, we'll take a quick break for our sponsors and talk about the plot and some questions. Sounds good.
Did you know alcohol deliveries have been legal in Mississippi as of July 1st, 2021, with the passage of House Bill 1135? Alcohol deliveries in Mississippi are finally here. Born in Mississippi and locally owned and operated, Moonshine delivers your favorite drinks to your home. Moonshine MS works with local stores to deliver wine, liquor, and beer right to your door. They have over 3,000 products on their easy-to-use platform. You can order from the website or the mobile app. If you live in the Jackson area, you have to hit them up. Y'all, I've used it and it is so great. Winner, winner, vodka sauce dinner. So head to moonshinems.com to learn more or head to the app store and download the Moonshine app to get your order today. That's moonshinems.com or follow them on social media at moonshinems and tell them that Decanterbury Girl sent you. All right, you ready for the plot? Yep. All right. So the plot, this plot synopsis is from the Washington Post Review, written, 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 written by Maureen Corrigan. Killers of a, I'm sorry, Chicken Nugget is currently trying to eat a styrofoam box. Killers of a Certain Age by Deanna Rayborn. Rayborn's story opens in 1979 with our four heroines on their first mission, posing as flight attendants on a private plane to carry out the execution of a Bulgarian bad guy and his henchmen. They rely on hypodermic needles laden with poison and when things go awry, their own highly trained bare hands and a knife. In flashback chapters, Rayborn describes how the young women were recruited by a black ops organization known only as the museum an offshoot of the oss and its british counterpart the special operations executive qualifying for an all-female squad known as project sphinx their job has been to eliminate people who need killing rayborn's narrative toggles between the quartet's early exploits and the present when their collective career is coming to a close now in their 60s their lives have been marked by change and loss Helen, whose refined beauty once drew comparisons to Jackie Kennedy, is a widow stuck in grief. Mary Alice is finding it harder to sustain her false cover stories to her beloved wife about her work trips. Natalie, once a flirty gamine, is that how you say it? Gamine? Gamine? Flirty McFlirterson finds that her sexual stocks have fallen along with her boobs. (laughs) That's amazing. Billy, our main character and part-time narrator, tries to tamp down regrets about all the years she let work take precedence over a private life. When the women receive an invitation for an all-expense-paid luxury cruise courtesy of the museum to celebrate their retirement, they reluctantly gather aboard for an enforced deity. But fate has something else in mind. Experiencing an intense bout of hot flashes, avoid eating spicy food, Billy dives into an isolated walk-in fridge for relief. When she emerges, she spots a former colleague, an explosive expert named Brad, masquerading as a crew member. It doesn't take long for the women to figure out the cruise is a ploy to gather them together to efficiently rub them out. But why? Before they can solve that mystery and save their lives, the Sphinxes have to deal with the vicious Brad. What ensues is an extended escape executed by this quartet of agents gone rogue to figure out who in the museum has marked them for death. From a rubber dinghy adrift in the Caribbean to a safe house in New Orleans to the drafty English manor where the women's training began decades earlier, the book sweeps through place and time. 
Killers of a Certain Age is a singular suspense story thanks to its deftly fluctuating tone, which is by turns comical, violent, and unexpectedly affecting. There you go. Really really great review, Maureen Corrigan, BTW. Yes, and that's from the Washington Post. Fantastic review, and I do agree. I think that it does toggle back and forth really seamlessly between Mm -hmm. past and present, because sometimes we've had a couple of books that do that, you know, kind of toggle between past and present narrators. And while this one kind of stays with a singular narrator for the majority of the story, um, that toggle back and forth between past and present can get very difficult to discern for the reader. And I thought she did it very well. I have cats going back and forth from that want to be in the room and out of the room. Hmm. Well, are you ready for questions? Certainly. Okay. So I'm not used to being the questions person. Here we go. So these are actually from Deanna Rayborn's book club kit, which we will absolutely link those on the blog. So we have the opportunity to interview Deanna. So we are going to save that for her actual interview. And so how would you characterize the relationship among the four assassins? How did they each fulfill their roles with regard to their respective talents? You know, I, I think that it's colleagues, but when you've got somebody else's life, you know, kind of in your hands, it yeah. takes it a step towards family. But I think without some of like the tension and guilt that comes with being in a family, it's more just like, you're my colleagues, your life is in my hands, I love you, but I'm gonna sh- tell it to you straight. Like, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything for you. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of like kind of rigidity in that relationship. Uh, yeah. Even though they have spent their entire lives together, I think there's also that kind of element of you are an assassin. So you really can't get too close because there's the possibility that someone's- You got a 50-50 shot here of making it through every day. So you kind of have to keep everybody at arm's length, but that's also really difficult to do when you work together every day. So I I think it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, And I think what's- also interesting is you know they have all of these special talents and they trust each other regarding all of their special talents in combat but they do not trust each other's decision making on a personal level yeah so you know with um oh uh, mary alice not telling akiko about her job her life and then her calling Akiko and having her come and them just being like WTF mate like why this is supposed to be a secret mission and people are trying to kill us don't do that 
and you're just gonna okay we're just gonna drag her right on in all right and then they're like Helen dear like we're so sorry your husband died but like are you okay uh but we're not like you should be getting over this by now but like we get it but like we don't get it um and then you know their whole opinion of Billy is like damn girl you don't have to keep everybody at arm's length you know yeah it's kind of like they all made the mistakes quote unquote but then like turn like Billy made like basically zero mistakes she has like no personal life and they're kind of like faulting her for that and it's kind of like well it's like one side or the other Mm -hmm. so I I think it's a super interesting dynamic that's definitely filled with love uh in the sense that they would die for each other but they don't necessarily uh support each other's lifestyle and decisions which is like healthy friendship truthfully yeah they could probably be a little nicer but like if anything they have the type of friendship where it's like if you see your friend doing something that's like detrimental to them you're gonna say something which cannot be said for all friendships no this is true and you know maybe we should take an uh take a page out of it and you know this dynamic definitely made it a fun read the fact that they were kind of snappy at each other the whole time yeah and it would have been really boring if they were like I support you girlfriend like you're doing Live great truth yeah they're like no bitch like that was fundamentally stupid yeah like, I love that like, <laughs> and then so the second half of that how do they each fulfill their roles with regard to their respective talents I mean one if you think to the end it's kind of like this beautiful mm, how should I put this word it's like a symphony they all in the beginning have their own things that they're good at hand-to-hand combat poison uh gun shooting I can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head Uh, languages languages but then on the end in the the final battle they all take on each other's talents and so who was the traditional shooter oh shoot it's not language it's poison i thought it was poison anyway anywho but yeah it's it's like yeah you have your respective talents and you're you're good at your craft and your art but at the end of the day like throw the rule book out the window and do what you have to do to survive fight tooth and nail yeah and you've watched your friends kick ass your whole life you've picked it up like you can do it and so I don't know I think I thought it was very interesting how they did not necessarily stay with their their expertise yeah interesting um so naomi is a character who performs a critical role in the plot how would you describe her and then she allows circumstances to play out in order to secure the future of the museum even though this puts the four assassins at greater risk was she right to do so 
Yes. Um, so Naomi's pregnant in the show, which makes me probably think of the um, character from Ozark, who is the FBI agent uh, that Marty uh, kind of develops a relationship with uh, for help. And so I kind of pictured her the whole time I was reading uh, this book. And yes, I think she needed to keep her mouth shut because at the end of the day, she was not going to be able to make sure everybody that was responsible for this hit was taken down. And yeah. it if she had not let things run its course, then she would have thrown more mud in the water and it may not have ended up the way it needed to end up. And I think ultimately it shows how much faith she had in these four women to survive. That yeah. she didn't need to protect them. They could do that on their own. And so she just needed to let the chips fall where they may and then step in to make things right once it's all yeah. said. Well, I even loved hearing her be like, I told them to send more than just one person, but they thought, you know, y'all are old now, but I told them you were more capable than that. I love just her just like, I was right. I just like being right as someone who also enjoys being right. There's nothing better. Then I'd be like, oh, and look at that. They're all dead, huh? Well, and too, you know, being friends or not friends, colleagues with a bunch of assassins, I'm sure there was some aspect of like preservation. Oh, yeah. Just because she was, you know, with child. I think she was just like, yeah, I don't need to really be too involved in this and she was not a field agent it's not like she's trained in hand-to-hand combat and a bunch of that stuff like she might have a little bit but like she's not a field agent so like she does not have the skills they do so i agree with you I like her so the four assassins have to burn their real identities and start over could you do this i mean i yeah yeah I could moving to Canada working at a diner living in a cabin just running away I talk about that all the time um haven't actually done it but you know I've been very close to the Canadian border thank god I didn't have a passport uh you also crossed the border this year you went to Canada this year and I came back so, you know, maybe it's not my time to run away, but yeah, I think, especially if it was for the safety of my family and the people I care about, it would be very easy to walk away for their safety. Yeah. And Mary Alice got to take Akiko with her. So like, it's not like full alone. As long as I can bring Phoebe with me, I'm good. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Could you do yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
Oh yeah. I was in the theater. I could absolutely, what? I have burnt my identity for an evening. I could do it for a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I get to have an accent? Like, how often do I get to do this? It's like, oh yeah, no, I'd probably go somewhere warm and live on a beach somewhere. Somewhere international. Somewhere that's easily, like, I can travel. Hit all the seasons. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. Okay. So y'all, if the podcast inexplicably disappears one day, uh, you know where to find us. Uh, I'm in Canada. She's on a beach somewhere. On a beach somewhere. Probably, honestly, let's go Mediterranean because then I can do anything in Europe and it's actually not that far to get to the U.S. There you go. So it's just centrally located to everything else. Um, how would you characterize the relationships of the four assassins that they have with the significant people in their lives? Does keeping their occupation secret protect these relationships or does it prevent any sort of real intimacy? Well, it doesn't prevent real intimacy because if you think about Mary Alice and Akiko, she's just upset that her wife all of a sudden up and disappeared. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's not pleased when she finds out that her wife kills people for a living, but she's just like, all right, let's love you the same. And we'll, we'll work through this, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I think really what it has to, uh, Billy, it has way more to do with her as a person than it does her job. I think yeah. Taverner scared her. I think the idea of a traditional life, and I put traditional in quotations there, scares her. I don't think murdering people that are bad for a living, putting her life on the line, scares her. I don't yeah. necessarily think losing somebody she loves scares her. I think she's afraid of intimacy. Romantic intimacy, yeah. So she uses her job as a screen to keep her an excuse. Separated. Yeah. Yeah, because you can see like Helen's marriage and relationship with her husband, and then Mary Alice, because like Helen's husband knew Mary Alice's wife does not. So like you kind of have a, a mix of people being honest and people not being honest and they still love each other no matter what. So like, ultimately, I don't think it prevents real intimacy. I think, you know, honesty in general is, you know, probably better in a marriage than not. And yeah, I think Billy just has her own issues. So, and Natalie, that's an interesting topic of discussion thinking about this question because she didn't want to really let anybody get close either. She just kind of was having fun. But, you know, kind of towards the end, she was kind of discontent with her relationships and exploits and them not meaning anything. And so I kind of feel like she is the person that was ultimately looking for 
that person that she could share all of that intimacy with. Yeah. So. Hmm. Hmm. More we can talk about with um with Deanna. That would be actually a really good question. Yeah, I want to dive into Natalie a bit more with Deanna. I think that would be really interesting. Well, and so we'll continue dissecting this book. So you still have a little bit of time if you're listening right now to read the book before we release our interview with the author in just a little bit. So thank you guys so much for joining us. It has been a wild month of November. I know it's December when we're releasing this. It's all my fault. Georgiana was totally on time to record and I had work stuff get in the way. So y'all hurry up and support the podcast a ton so we can quit our jobs and be full-time podcasters and give you nothing but on-time episodes. Okay. Okay. Love you. Mean it. (laughs) And um, so on that note, I guess it is time for us to announce our December book. Yes. We are going with the theme we went with last year is giving you a little bit of nonfiction for our final episode of the year. And so our book is I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. She wrote this amazing book on abuse, on abuse by parents, substance abuse, abuse upon yourself, grief, but it's, funny somehow to read it it was one of my 24-hour reads did not move it just is absolutely fantastic and if you don't know anything about Jeanette McCurdy she was on iCarly and played Sam and then was on Cat and Sam with Ariana Grande so she started her career on Nickelodeon, uh, or that's where her fame kind of spurred. Came from. And, yeah. and you find out that um, maybe that wasn't all her idea. Huh. So. Uh, well, I cannot wait to read it. And then we also have our January book picked out. So y'all can go ahead and hit that pre-order button. Mm-hmm. So in January, we are going back with our pal, Stacey Willingham. She is coming out with a new book, All of the Dangerous Things, which comes out in January. So hit that pre-order so it comes to your door immediately and you can start reading with us. So excited to have Stacey back and whoop, whoop. you know, talk about her success, a flicker in the dark, and then what her journey has been on book number two. And um, She's kind of learning about her process and where she's been because it's going to kind of be fascinating I think to have followed her journey for a year so yeah because she's made it on several like book of the year list and I think it was Barnes Noble and Amazon so just a lot of uh kudos kudos to this uh the book that we covered her most recent book and then can't wait to cover her next book in just like 30 days Yeah, pretty excited. So we've got your reading set up for December and January. And I can tell you, you will not be disappointed with I'm Glad My Mom Died. Such a catchy title. And then 
I mean, I haven't read Stacy's next book, but if it has, if it's as anything as wonderful as her first book, no, we will enjoy it. We are in for a wild ride. All right, y'all. Well, that's what we got. Happy November in December. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, we will be releasing some ep- some additional episodes this month before we close out season two. Don't forget, if you want us to cover a book in a recent episode or in a new episode or a wine, send us an email to canterburypod at gmail.com or just share funny stories about books and or wine and books, wine, any of those things. Taylor Swift will also accept stories about Taylor Swift. Um, send us some things we want to hear from you our amazing listeners so again that's decanterburypod at gmail.com and we are decanterburypod uh on instagram not twitter because we got rid of our twitter we're on goodreads we're on facebook so give us a follow send us a message you know we love hearing from you thanks for listening absolutely bottoms up Stay weird. Bye. Bye.